our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your hosts, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Are you guys ready for this one? Are we ready? I am so ready. This alongside the angel investing episode that we've recently done, two of the most top requested episodes, probably, if I could be so bold to say that. I just, I'm so excited to get back into the episodes where we talk about like 101s. Like I love breaking down things that every day you just like hear on the news, you're like a venture capital or like so-and-so company raised $3 million in seed funding. And you're like, what is seed funding? What is round A funding? What is round B? Why does round C? Like, what do these things mean? First of all, who's giving them all this money? And second of all, like, how do I invest in this? Or what does that mean? I'm just, I'm so excited. Venture capitalists have seemed like such a foreign, out of the ballpark, not for the everyday person, just concept. And I'm not saying we should invest in VC. I'm just saying we should be allowed to know what it is. We should be allowed to know what it is. She's a poet. She's an activist. She's an entrepreneur speaking for the people. And so you might be wondering, you know, <laughs> what is VC? Where does the money come from? What can you get out of it? Should you be investing in it? What's the pros? Can the everyday person join? What's the cons? And is it better than investing in the share market itself? We will be covering all these answers today. And you are going to walk away from this episode as a VC girly certified. Pop that on your LinkedIn. There'll be like qualifications and you can just link this episode and be like... <laughs> If someone does that, please tag us. It will make my week. Now, before we begin, we want to take a moment to thank our season sponsor for powering this week's episode. Are you ready to take control of your financial future and you don't know where to begin? Meet Perla, the Aussie investing platform that makes it easy for anyone to invest in the stock market and build a sensible, diversified portfolio. With Perla, you can start investing with as little as $5. Perla's unique community-driven experience guides you through the process of selecting your investment goals, creating a portfolio tailored to your needs and tracking your progress over time. 
One of the things that we love most about Perla is their commitment to financial education. Perla commits to empowering investors through tools like template portfolios with access to easier investing and supportive community connections. Perla also offers great insight and data that help pave the way for equitable investing. Their research finds women are investing more of their income than men and more women invest on their platform than men. Perla also walks the walk with open pay transparency to help facilitate open conversations about wage, roles and opportunities within the financial industry. If you're feeling overwhelmed by all the options, Perla's platform is intuitive and easy to use with powerful tools that give you control over your investments. You can track your portfolio's performance, set up automatic investments and even invite friends and family to invest alongside you. Don't wait to start building your financial future. Check out Perla.com today and start investing in your goals. Before we get started, Sonia, I want to ask you, before you'd heard of VC, like what did you think it was? Or when did you hear about it? I didn't. I tuned out, which I feel like is kind of sad if you get to like the roots of it if we deep dive into the psychology behind me disassociating with these topics on the news but I didn't I was oblivious and I was fine with it and as soon as we started doing this gig you know being a little bit more invested in the stock market and finance per se I was like oh but my thing is is that people think it's very difficult to understand listen if I can get something you can. And if that is not the motto of GTI, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) That's very self-deprecating humor. (laughs) We're going to put a pin in that one. (laughs) I remember when I first heard about VC, because it's called venture capitalist, I just have like, venture sounds like vulture and then capitalist also sounds like not so nice words. So I just imagine like birds or like birds of prey in businesses. And I had a very negative view on it. I was like, I don't know what this is, but this feels like evil money. And it just doesn't seem like something I'm interested. I don't believe in evil money. I don't know if it's like bad businesses or like they are like aggressive. I just had for no reason other than like this word sounds like another word, venture and vulture. I wasn't a fan and I just didn't care about it. So in simple terms, venture capitalists or venture capital is basically when money gets pulled together and it often comes from very wealthy people or large investors, institutional investors, and then they put them into a VC. And you can imagine a VC like a loan. It's almost like a bank. And their only purpose is to loan money or give money to a very small or up and coming company, just something that has a lot of growth potential, something like Canva or like Apple when it was younger or Facebook when it was younger. And they're going to give money to that company in hopes that that company grows in the way that venture capitalists make their money back. A bank would usually just ask for the loan back with interest. Venture capitalists don't do that. They say, let's have 50% of your company or let's have 25% of your company. They actually take a huge chunk. I'm not even joking. (laughs) That's actually how much they usually take, 25 to 50%. And so they're taking on a risk to give you like millions of dollars, but they own 50% of your company. And in five years, if your company does well, it's worth $100 million. They just made $50 million off the back of giving you a couple of million. So that's in simple terms what they are. If you wanted to use like a proper definition, they are a form of private equity and they're a type of financing that investors will provide to startup companies, small businesses that have long-term potential. 
venture capital comes often from, well, often investors, they come from investment banks, they come from financial institutions. And oftentimes what they give with the money is they give advice and they give technical or operational advice. So if you were like a little company and you were like, hey, I'm going to start the next like big social media company that's going to grow and it's going to take over and it's like going to be even better than TikTok, you'd go to a venture capitalist or a VC and just be like, this is what I want to do. And not only would they give you the money, they would then give you the advice. They would give you the connections. A lot of VCs are based on the West Coast in the US and think of like Silicon Valley, think of like tech startups like San Fran. And so they're going to go, oh, I know a person here that's going to help you. I know this and that. So it's also like advice and not just money value but you get a lot of like connection value so you grow even faster if you think about an everyday vc you're probably thinking okay like how much money does this usually involve on average a single fund has about 135 million dollars and that is usually spread across 30 to 80 companies so they often spread their risk a lot across a lot and the idea is that a lot of these companies will fail So if you're in a VC right now, like it's not guaranteed that you're going to do well, but they hope that one or two of these companies will be hugely successful. I remember looking at a VC a few months ago and I was like, why do they have so much money? Like a lot of these companies that they invest in aren't that interesting. And then I realized that they invested in Canva early on. And I was like, ah, that's their golden ticket. Sometimes I'm just like, wow, you really believe in this company. You know, I don't really believe in it yet. And you believe in it, which is wild to me. Like how do these people have so much faith in these startups. And then I think it's the pitching. It's Shark Tank. It's basically like Shark Tank, but like larger funds rather than individuals. When they decide on like who to invest in, it is really funny because only 2% of VC money goes towards female run businesses. Like That is hilarious. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. But it goes to show that the decision making is not based off like fact because it's not that 98% of companies run by men need more money than female run companies. It's like this huge level of bias because if you have a boardroom or a decision making room filled with people that all look the same, sound the same, have the same experiences, then yeah, how do you pick the best companies that are coming up? Because you don't have diversity in your views or your decision making. So it's very flawed. And when Sarah Blakely, who was the founder of Spanx, was trying to get VC money for her company when she was trying to like get off the ground, they didn't understand what she was doing. And they were like, why, wait, shapewear for women? What does this mean? Like, what's wrong with normal underwear? And <laughs> there was like one woman in the panel and she was like, just, can you come with me to the bathroom? Let me just show you what this does. And the woman was like very hesitant, like, this is odd, but okay. And so Sarah like went and put on the shapewear, like the Spanx and showed her. And that's when they were like, oh, we get it. And so, yeah, it's it's a very weird way of getting money approved. I want to also quickly chat about the history of it because I'm a history nerd. I love a little bit of like fun facts that you can spread at your work like lunch next week and be like, oh yeah, by the way, the thing about VCs. So they only developed as an industry after the Second World War. It's actually quite new. And Professor George Durrett is a Harvard Business School professor and he is the father of venture capital. He basically started one in 1946 he raised 3.5 million and you might be like that's actually not a lot of money for a vc 
1946 inflation. And what they decided to do is invest in companies that were commercializing technologies that were developed during World War II. Because as we know, during World War II, so many advancements happened because like nothing convinces humans to work faster and smarter and harder than a war. Like the amount of medical like things and they haven't come from great ways but the amount of like medical information that we learned or like technology that we learned during the wars was insane and basically an example was they found that you could use x-rays for cancer treatment and they put two hundred thousand dollars into that company and then they turned over 1.8 million in 1955 so less than nine years later so that's basically what vc does does it make sense? Because I feel like it's actually so simple. Like people be like VC and seed money and this and that. It's just a little company. They've just got a little building. They put some money together and then they invest in companies that are cute and new and they go, hey, you can have a million dollars, but I want 50% of everything you make after that. It makes so much sense. The thing is, is that my question comes with the rounds because the rounds is all about pitching, right? Like, <laughs> guys... It makes sense to me when I use this analogy. You know, like how these rounds of American Idol, like New Zealand Idol, or The Voice, that's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They're going with their PowerPoint presentations, or more likely their Canva presentations. It's a talent contest mm -hmm. for businesses. So basically, VC money, like you might have seen headlines and been like, so-and-so company raised $5 million in like Series A or like Series B funding or like pre-seed funding. And it, it used to really confuse me. So this is partially for my old self. And this is also for anyone else that like just wants to know what these things mean. There are five different stages or you could think of like five different Pokemon evolutions for VC. And they're all different ways of raising money. So the first stage when you raise money is called pre-stage. So let's say me and Sonia want to start an app. And the app is to help women just like, you basically put in a quiz and you're like, should I dump him? And the quiz at the end is like, dump him or don't dump him. And it's just straightforward and you have to do it. And we go, you know what, this is a great app idea. Let's go to a VC. The first pre-seed stage is we don't actually go to a VC. We raise money from family or friends or micro VCs, little VCs. Then there's the seed stage where you might, again, raise money, but it's from angel investors or small VCs. Then you've got the series A stage, which are bigger VCs. Series B stage, which is late stage VCs. So these VCs give you money, but kind of knowing that Sooner or later, your company's going to IPO or you're going to sell it off. And so they just care or look for different things. So you've got pre-seed, seed, series A, series B, and then you've got series C or beyond. And that's when VCs don't give you money. And now you're looking at things like private equity or hedge funds, like the big guns that come across and look at your company and go, oh, you're probably turning over like 300 million. We can help and we can then help you like IPO and become a public company. But up to this point, you're basically just going through your American Idol rounds and you start off with the audition, you get in, Paula Abdul helps you. She like gives you all the guidance. She's like, Paula this is Abdul. what- Abdul, she was a judge, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I loved her. She was like the nice one. Like Simon would just like absolutely rip them apart and then Paula would like smile and be like, but you tried your best. <laughs> 
but I love your shoes and your enthusiasm. Oh my God, you're Paul Abdul. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's it. Like that is literally what VC is. I just like cannot stress that it is no smarter or harder than people make it seem out to be. And if someone's listening and goes, I work in VC and I do a lot more than just that. Like our job is so complicated. Yes, it is. The intricacies of what you do are complicated and you absolutely need a degree for that. But to understand what a VC is, we should be allowed to understand that. And if you get it, you get it. Don't overthink you getting it. You get it. Trust me. So someone might be listening in and going, okay, well, what's the pros of it? Like why would someone consider investing in it? Or if I had a company and I wanted to like go into VC or like have VC money come in, why would I do that? Why not just like grow the company myself? Mm -hmm. And that is such a good question. I feel like there's so many different ways to finance your company, especially when it's starting. But I want to speak about three main advantages of VC. The first one and the most popular advantage is the money. (laughs) When you're first starting a company, getting funding from a venture capitalist or VC firm, it can be monumental as you're just getting your business off the ground. And I imagine it would relieve a lot of stress and you can focus your energy on your product, your service, your growth, more creative things instead of fixating and stressing out on where to get money. Because once you've got that, you know what you can do, you know what you can't do. For example, marketing, like how big do you want to go? How big do you want the launch to be? What you can afford? All of those factors you can focus on once you've secured the bag, you know? And a lot of the times you don't need to prove cash flow right away because you're in the beginning stage of creating your business or your baby that you're super passionate about. You believe in the product and service or idea. And sometimes getting loans is limited based on the proof of like cash flow and assets, which you haven't necessarily had the time to build just yet. Second thing is knowledge. Sim mentioned this just before as well, but you can get expert advice and knowledge from leaders in the same industry that you're in or who have been entrepreneurs before. The thing to note with venture capitalists is that they usually have a good reputation and they're trustworthy investors, which is important when you're thinking about who is financing your company and in general who you want your company to be associated with, especially in the initial stages. Like, I think one of the interesting things about industries in general is that they really do care about the reputations of who is investing where and in what companies. And God forbid that you have a scandal of someone who's making headlines for the wrong reasons that will bring negative attention to your company. But I digress. They have good reputations so you can learn from them, from their mistakes, their lessons. So you don't need to repeat the mistakes that they've made. And they're usually so willing. And that's part of the reasons you know, they make deals with these small businesses so they can pass on their expertise. There is that quote that came into mind when I was thinking about this, and it's, a smart person learns from his mistakes, but a truly wise person learns from the mistakes of others. I don't actually know where that came from, but I have like heard it growing up, and I remember my brother saying it to me as well. And the third advantage that I want to speak about is the connections. I feel like everything nowadays is reliant upon who you know. 
you know, this term networking and this is how you network, this is how you contact someone on LinkedIn, it's gone out of hand. I'm kidding. <laughs> Sonia's like, let's go back to not talking to people. Yeah. Why is my CV not enough? Like, why is my cover letter not enough? That's embarrassing in itself, me writing a letter to you. Why do you need to know who I know? Again, I'm kidding. I understand it's a, such a valuable skill and this is such an advantage. <laughs> to having I just want to like jump in here for a second because I feel like growing up I was so anti-networking and I was like I should be enough or my views should be enough or like the hard work that we do should be enough and with girls that invest and how we've grown I think Sonia and I have seen firsthand like how what we've done or how quickly we have grown has been due to the amazing people that have reached out to us and gone, hey, I love what you do. I work in XYZ company. I'd love for you to come do a talk here. Mm. Or I love what you do. I know so-and-so. They should definitely feature you on their magazine or their publication or this or that. Like, It has come down to the people we have grown to know. That has been one of the fastest reasons we have grown. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication, and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win-win-win. To learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. And that is like the power of networking. But imagine getting to like go to a VC and one of the employees was like an ex-Apple employee and they were in the top 10, like top first 10 employees in Apple and the wealth of knowledge that they have and the amount of people that they know. You could be like, oh, so like my app with Sonia and I, we're just like not sure how we're going to get good press for it. They'd be like, I know 50 people. Like you'll be fine. Exactly. And I think when you're building teams and when you want to get your company out there, who knows who you're going to meet that will help you achieve your business goals now and in the future as well. But yeah, those are the three main advantages on why you should use BC. Now, if you're listening in and going, okay, that makes sense, but what reasons should I not invest in VC? And also, like, can I even invest in a venture capital fund? I found this one quote that just, like, made me laugh, and I'm going to read it out because it was around, can the everyday person, you know, join a VC? And this is what the quote said. If you are an individual investor with a net worth of at least a million dollars or assets under management of $5 million or more, there's nothing stopping you from investing in a VC fund. And I was like, I love that. There's nothing stopping you if you have a million dollars or if you have $5 million invested. So the answer is no. The average person cannot invest in a VC fund or start a VC fund themselves. In saying that, there are micro VC funds that are available where you can pour in I don't know, like between like $10,000, sometimes less, but it 
isn't easy and it's the institutional investors or accredited investors that get access to VC to pour their money in and that's just because it's very risky and so governments and regulators can't regulate it as easily so they basically give a loophole and say you can invest in VC but if you lose your money we can't really do that much about it as opposed to if you put money into a public company like you know in the stock market and you lose money that might be a little bit different. So can the everyday person join in? Unfortunately, no. But what are the cons of VC as an investor? The first issue is that what happens is when VCs buy into these companies, taking a 25 to 50% stake is huge. And it means two things happen. The first is this company, this VC is here to make money. So they're gonna have creative control and they might have more of a focus on we need to make our returns and we need this company to grow as opposed to hey let's take a risk or let's look at this different thing or let's pivot or let's take maybe longer to have another direction if you are a founder and you're a visionary and you take vc funding basically you now have a huge board of directors and other people that kind of look at you and go we did give you 10 million dollars and we do own 30 percent of your company so even though you don't like our suggestion we highly recommend that you take it and so you might as a company be going against the grain of what you wanted to do so that's the first issue and the second issue is often they will pressure companies to exit rather than pursue long-term growth so a vc's goal is I put in 10 mil and I want this company to be worth 100 million. So their focus is how do we make this company look really good to sell as opposed to how do we make this a really good product or really good for consumers? And so what that means is if you find a company and you're like, this company could like do things better or like their customer service isn't that great, but that's because they're so focused on growing their email list. They're so focused on like press and revenue and, and other things as opposed to like refining the product that they have. It's often because they're not making a company to sell you things. They're making a company to sell to a big hedge fund and a big hedge fund has a list of requirements. Like what's their email list like? How long have they been operating? Who works in their team that's come from like amazing other jobs? Like they're basically painting a picture to like sell to someone else as opposed to the art of what they're doing, if that makes any sense. I feel like I kind of butchered that. You didn't butcher it. It makes sense. And so the cons of VC is like you're going to maybe see a company not do things that they maybe have wanted to do and the kind of person that starts a company a founder is a creative they have visions they are people that can think outside the box but they get a little bit more restricted when investments come in if they're not partnered with a VC that like nurtures and encourages that kind of growth. I feel like if I was putting 10 million dollars in a startup or a company you best listen to me like all of these cons I feel like my tagline is, yeah, that makes sense because it does like when you think about it, but you are giving someone <laughs> a lot of money. It's again, it's a monumental amount to start this company up. Sure. You can have an opinion. You're also giving me advice. You're also giving me connections. You might actually be the reason that I have like a CFO and like head of marketing, like all these things. Yeah, it does make sense. You did not butcher it. I mean, fair enough. 
I guess if you do give someone 10 mil, you probably do want to be like, hey, I don't like that color. And I'm allowed to say that because I gave you $10 million. Like change yeah. the PowerPoint slide. Or if someone makes like a really bad PowerPoint presentation, I would give them feedback. I'm like, hey, like it's 2023. Like we can do some cool transitions. We don't have to do like the star transition for a text. Like let's elevate our boardroom conversations. Let's elevate the visuals. I'd be so annoying. That's a con. Sonia investing in you. <laughs> I also wanted to add, so there is this Twitter account called VCs Congratulating Themselves, and it's basically in its name. So VCs often have people that work in them will make a lot of content around, you know, what they're looking for, like tips. We look for founders that do XYZ or like a red flag and a founder of a company that I wouldn't invest in would do da 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 da. And sometimes they're interesting and sometimes they're just so silly. And so this Twitter account is dedicated to taking screenshots of just really stupid tweets that people in VC make and sharing them. It has like 180,000 followers on Twitter. And I'll just give you an example of one. So this one person from a VC fund says this, a good interview question is how old were you when you got your first driver's license? If the answer is over 19, do not hire if that role requires a high internal locus of control with a dash of grit. I like it when I hear that they got their license the day they turned 16. That person is a go-getter. And it's just like a screenshot of that tweet with just like four question marks. One of the comments under that tweet is, wait, is that satire? I can't tell. <laughs> Are people really asking this? This is... It's so interesting because it's, you know, like LinkedIn bros or just people that are like very like, this is the lesson or the deeper meaning I learned. A lot of like VC on the top level or surface level is like that. And it's just, you could spend hours on there. It is a great Twitter account. If you want to have a laugh, you guys know what a VC is now. You guys know how VC works. You can laugh along with them. Okay. So it's VC Brags, the Twitter handle, and their little description of themselves is they're adding value and then the trademark thing at the top and they're very proud of it this is my favorite one one person said once people learn i'm a vc in a conversation the vibe usually changes funny how that works when people realize you can potentially give them money it's just like jesus christ like it is okay let people breathe exist also what a massive projection <laughs> They're probably not even acting different. You're just scrutinizing every single move that they make, you know? It is just so funny. But yeah, so that's what VC is. VC culture is quite funny. You could spend hours on it. But I guess what you're thinking about here, or the question you might finally also have for us, is is it better than investing in the share market? And Sonia, I want to ask you that. You know, Google, Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, these are massive media companies that were backed by venture capital firms and now they have available stock in the public market. And I think when I was doing a little bit of research, there is a lot of discourse around VC versus share market. And look, in general terms, when you're looking at the stock market, we're basing our research and our decision to invest in companies that you know, look at the market caps of companies, assets, revenue trends, what their competitors look like. And when you're making the decision to invest in the company or the ETF, you can look at all of these things and feel better about yourself when you decide to like invest or if you choose not to invest. 
when you're looking at emerging companies, you don't really have the luxury of looking at like 10 years of history as they're just starting out. So that does put some people off and others look at it as this massive opportunity. And you do hear those people who still have conversations about, oh my gosh, what if I invested in Tesla or what if I invested in Uber? And I know I talked a good game about the advantages of venture capital, but sometimes, as Sim said, the pressure of the eyes and the money on you can get to some entrepreneurs and that is a risk. Their business failing and their business failing early is also a risk, especially since you've invested a lot of money in them. You just got to figure out your risk tolerance. But I feel like the question around, is it better than investing in the share market? Harvard Business Review actually has a great article with some amazing stats. The article is called How Venture Capital Works by Bob Zyder. And it shows, as we understand, the venture capital risks are a little bit more high risk than investing in like the public share market. So usually in venture capitalists, they do expect a return between 25 and 35% a year over the lifetime of their investment compared to like an average of what, seven to 10 that the stock market usually returns. So I get that it is a higher percentage compared to the share market, but it's this. I feel like the level that you need to be on to start and the risk that you take. And also, it's not just money. Like you are investing time, your expertise, your knowledge into people and a company that might not actually pay off. But I don't think they ever see it as like, oh my gosh, like I spent all this time, effort, and money into someone and something that didn't even work. I think everyone knows the risk of doing that and at least they tried. Also, if you look at like 2010 to 2020, so like a 10-year span, VC returned 15.15% on average. That's how much they were bringing back and the S&P 500 only returned 13.99% in that same time frame. And so you've also got to weigh up Yes, that's a different amount, but like how different is it? It's not like 13% versus 25%. Mm. Like it's a small gap. I also think people don't realize like with the share market, if you invest in a fund, you are probably going to expect that that fund over time will do well. Something like an S&P 500 will do well. With VC, it's almost like 80% of what you invest in is not going to do well or will just break even. And 20% of what you invest in will like carry the rest of them. And so you've got to get it right once and that will pay off. But with the share market, you can get it right a few more times. Facts. Facts. Well, I feel like this is probably a really good place to wrap up. Basically, venture capital, it's just like American Idol. And I think that that really just sums it up very well. There are tiers of how far you can go, how much money you can raise if you're good enough and you beat out the others. It is literally just a group of people that have a lot of money that will put money into companies, ask for a certain percentage of that company as equity, as things that they own. And then when that company does well, they make a return. Not often does that happen. There's a lot of cons associated with it. There's a lot of pros though, like the money, the knowledge, the connections. And is it better than the share market? Technically, yes, but 
not all of us have access to it unfortunately and that isn't a huge con because at the end of the day it's not that much better so with that i will see you next week son bye bye and as always to finish off with our disclaimer girls that invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs we are not financial advisors the advice from girls that invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision advice from girls that invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances always do your research and please use your due diligence